everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates. And I'm welcoming a, a longtime friend to the program today. Walter Shaw is with us. Uh, Walter's in the process of producing a movie that has ties to South Florida, but impact around the world. And I'm going to give just a, a very short thumbnail, and then we're going to jump in with Walter. But this movie is based on a book called The Bomb Heard Around the World. True story, a gripping story. Uh, it's about civil rights, the fight for racial equality, and the topics that are in the news today based on a true story that happened in 1951. Harry and Harriet Moore were murdered by racist terrorist Christmas night, their anniversary night. And as we know, that began a civil rights movement that is in existence today. Walter, thanks for joining me on the show today. I, I know that that doesn't do the book justice, and it certainly doesn't do what you're doing justice in producing this movie. Tell us about the movie. Well, it came to me through Zenobi Jefferson up in your part of the woods. Um, she was a school teacher, retired, and I was researching a movie I was going to do about the highwaymen. As you know, that's when we met. And she told me on a phone call one night, she, we talked many times, she was blind, and she says, Walter, she says, the movie you should really be telling is about Harry and Harriet Moore. Well, I didn't know the story. So she introduced me to it. And then, of course, back to, back to North Florida, I go to research that for a year or so. And then I found the story and I said, this is the story I should be telling. That's how this happened. Now, the movie title is different than the book title. Absolutely. I kind of I did a spinoff on uh, Harry's most, one of his most famous quotes about the price for freedom never descends upon a people it is always paid with a price. So I call it the price for freedom. Yes. You know, because it's true that you, there's a price for freedom as our World War veterans can tell you in all the way back then. And he had to give up his life to tell the story to make an impact, unfortunately. And he knew he had a, a death, death sentence on his back from the time he got up in the morning to the time he went to bed because of what it was about, civil rights. Yep. Now this, was, this was long before, well, I shouldn't say long before, but this was before Dr. Martin Luther King. So they were really... Seven, 17 years prior. 17 years prior, they were the first. They were the very, matter of fact, um, Eleanor Roosevelt said that they were the first terrorist act on American soil of, of this nature of civil rights. And they, they, were, they were it. How relative is that story to what is happening in today's world? Well, I think it's most relevant because of uh, the fact that George Floyd and all the things have, have come full swing since 1951 because. Harry died and there wasn't TV. It was just coming on the market. So nobody really had the viewership to really be like seeing the news and all that today. So it's very relevant. What's the feedback when people hear uh, that you're doing the movie? Florida still prejudiced all the way back to that time with the Jim Crow era. They're, they're very prejudiced. I, I, my wife warned me about this when I got jumped in this five years ago. She says, well, this will be a film that's going to break your heart because you're going to see how prejudiced the state really still is. And it is. It's, it's still got the clan here. And they're just like the lady said to me, one of uh, Zenobi's friends, she says, uh, the hoods are still 
behind closed doors and dresser drawers. <laughs> That's what she said to me when I was interviewing her. I said, really? She said, oh, yeah, they're still here. So, South Florida, uh, you're actually doing some of the filming, and uh, I'm going to jump ahead to the end of the movie because you have yeah. filmed the end of the movie already. Yeah, we filmed it uh, on the event we had the 20th of uh, July, 19th of July. We uh, filmed in the church with the stars and everybody there and the mayor and the dignitaries that helped me push this forward because we wanted to show why it was so important to tell this story. And that's why I added at the end like an outtake. That's what they call an outtake. Like they did with uh, Blindside, you know, the football story where you see the real characters and the real people. It adds authenticity to it. What about the cast? Uh, Mario, I, I went to Mar I've known Mario 10 years. We were going to do another film together many years ago. And I went to Mario with my first choice because he's a, a very laid back, no ego type guy. And he's very compassionate. So I went to him to direct it and the star and play Harry Moore. And he just, he didn't know the story naturally. I gave it to him on a Friday and he responded and signed on, the, on a Sunday on the 4th of December. He says, I'm in. I'm all in, Walt. I'm not worried about the budget. I'm not worried about what's in it. I, I want to do this for story. And that's, a, that's usually the effect it has on people when they read the story, the book, or the script. You're not um, a newbie to this business. Yeah. Tell us a little bit years. about, uh, about <laughs> your background. Oh, God. 31 years. I started out as a, a guy from Brooklyn. That's where I grew up in Sheepshead Bay, 17 and now. I was 16, and we came to Florida, and um, I started here, but I started the rackets, unfortunately, and I'm not really going into that a lot, but I started there, and uh, I proceeded that, that life for a long time, the good fellow life, because I, I was in that era, in that time. My mind was not like it is today, and I'm ashamed of my past, so I really don't dwell on it a lot, but that's that's what brought me into Hollywood. Mickey Rourke is the one that got me into Hollywood and says, well, you need to be in the movie business because they're, they're bigger crooks and thieves than you'll ever thought about being. I said, really? He said, yeah, you'll see. <laughs> so I, that's how I got my start. Of course, they gravitated to me and I became friends with Matt Dillon and Gary Busey. And, you know, I was off to the races and a newbie that was on the, uh, as you call him, uh, was just uh, making his bones in the business, Mark Wahlberg, and we had uh, breakfast and dinner one night. And he says, well, this is a great story. I'd love to play you. But see, I've, I've won from those days. I don't, I don't care about somebody telling my story. I care about these projects here. And they come along once in a lifetime. This well, is the story I want to remember for. Harry Moore. I'm going to interject and, and ask, uh, since we have known each other for quite some time, if we can go into some of that detail uh, for another episode. Yeah, I would do that for you, Sam. You know, I'd do anything in the world for you and Maria. Yeah, I would do that. Absolutely. You're probably one of the most legitimate PR companies out there. That's why I like you so much. Well, and, and we share a, a, a mutual like for uh, four-legged felines. Uh, and I, I, Absolutely. Uh, I've known you for enough time to, to know that uh, when we start talking cats, we'll, we'll not get off the topic for a long time. But Exactly. <laughs> but back. To, back to the movie, uh, yeah. where is it going to be filmed? We're going to shoot it primarily down here in Dade and Broward County because I live here, number one, and I can make the scene still feel that rustic, eclectic uh, uh, 
filmmaking as if I did in Mims. I could I could redo those scenes here exactly. So that's why I'm shooting because it's easier for me right now, and with everything that's going on with COVID and all the rest of it. Absolutely, I understand that. One of the people who will probably be watching very closely the developments uh, for uh, everything that's going into the movie is uh, Charlie Crist, our former governor, and uh, exactly now at the federal level. Why might that be of interest to him? Because ironically, as we started this project, uh, he was the first interview I got because he was the attorney general that solved this case in 2004. And he almost lost his job over it because Jed Bush was the governor. He said, if you don't solve this case after a year of spending our time and taxpayers' money of, of investigating this, your career in politics would probably be over. So he, he stayed the course. And I, when I got to interview him for six hours at his place up in uh, St. Pete, he said to me, I said, why do you want to straighten this out and make it after all these years, Mr. Chris? He said, because I wanted to make a wrong right in history. And, they, and he did. He solved it in 24, uh, I mean, crazy amount of time they put into it, to like 1,200 uh, men of uh, Justice Department. And, he's, and he did solve it. He, he put a name to the people that were the culprits behind this. And uh, I was fascinated by that part of it. And thanked him. Do you have a, a timetable? Are you forecasting out uh, just a, and I, we know that in the, the process of making uh, movies, there is no real timetable, but uh, a guideline. When when could we sort of look forward? I would like to get the first print by December to mark the anniversary of one of their deaths, which was uh, in December you know, uh, 25th, because I'd like to get it out that month because it would be apropos of 1951 when they were killed, if I can, if, if everything if the gods line up and everything comes together, you know, we can make it happen. It's only a six week uh, uh, editing process. It's only a 20 day shoot. So I couldn't make that timetable. Any surprises that we can anticipate uh, people we don't know about or, and and I know, as I'm saying that, if it's a surprise, you can't tell me, but you can hit. No, no. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, I've been romancing for the last year and a half. And he's very difficult right now. I'm trying to get Cuba Gooding to play Thurgood Marshall, you know, and he's been very difficult to rope in and, and, and he likes the script, he likes the story, but you know, he's like all over the map and he's more in a relaxed mood these days. He's up in the Hamptons right now with De Niro's daughter and he's all over the map. He's not taking his career serious like he used to, but I mean, you know, we may get him and we may not. I mean, if we don't, then we move on to Don Cheadle or, you know, we'll get somebody of that nature to, to play this because I'll knock it out of the park. The Thurgood Marshall was a, a big essence to this story because that's what Harry Moore got him. And he used to sleep on his couch when he first started out in law. And he saw, he got the repeal, the appeal on the uh, Groveland 4. That's really the case that got Harry Moore killed, was the Groveland 4 case. Because he told the sheriff he was going to come after him and get him indicted for murder. But he was killed. So, yeah. What makes. In, in your opinion, what makes a movie a great movie? Well, it's like uh, the guy from The Sound of Music, Christopher Plummer, once said, "It's if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. It's the script. It's all about the script. If the script's that good, it'll, it'll go the distance. I don't care who, who acts in it, really. You can prove that with One Night in Miami. Those guys were unknown except for the director, Regina King. The film got nominated. So, you know, there was nobody 
of essence of known names in the film. So it's a script. It's a story. That's what drives it. Well, earlier I, I asked about the relevance of this story to what is happening today. Can this movie make an impact, have an impact on where we are as a nation divided by race? Absolutely, because Harry Moore was not about color. And it was in an article I just read recently where they they said that, that he was not about color. He, he was colorblind. He didn't see color. He did, he did what he did for humanity to try to bridge those those two differences and try to bring them together because together you could do more than being separated. And that's a proven fact. And, and that's what Sarah Harris stood for togetherness. Yeah. What about the survivors of the bombing? Um, the, the one that one that uh, niece is alive. We've talked to her and she's, she's alive and they're doing a mural actually ironically up in uh, Mims uh, on one of the, uh, his secretary, uh, that used to work for him. It was a big civil rights person. She followed in his footsteps practically, and they do a mural about her. her. Her niece, who's 95, I think, was what the article said yesterday, and she was so proud they're doing a mural about her aunt because she was really a wonderful civil rights person as well. The name escapes me, but they feel she's credible to have a mural done about her. So. Well, I, I have to say that I'm I'm proud. I, I recently received something next day mail and uh, it's not a mural <laughs> but uh it's a copy of the first uh print of the movie poster and yeah that is, that is something you have your hands in everything yeah i try to because i know what i'm looking for you know i have a vision and i got that from my father he was a visionary and i i, I know it's all those little details that make a great film as you put them together you know they'll talk about the poster they'll talk about different things to do with the film. And as long as they're talking, that's great. You know, that's what makes a great film. You want to, you want the music to sound right. Like if you walk out of a theater and you start humming the song, you know, you got to hit like the way we were, you can't, you cannot watch that movie without the lyrics resounding back to you on the, on the words that Barbara sang. I mean, it's just things like that that make a great film, all of it together. I'm glad you mentioned your father. Uh, your father was, a visionary. Your father left us with many of the things that we take for granted today. And you made a movie about your father. Tell us about it. Genius on Hold. Um, that was a 20 year project because Taylor Hackford says your film beat my film, uh, uh, the film Forrest Gump film uh, out because that was 20 years in the making as well with Tom Hanks. And my film was 20 years also with Frank Langella narrated it. And my dad, uh, said if I could draw it, I can build it. And he had schematics all over the house. But he, he made the uh, first uh, speakerphone for uh, uh, Carol Rosenblum's wife was a paraplegic. She was had polio. And he came to my dad to make it where she could answer the phone because she couldn't use her hands. And so he made the speakerphone. really was for Carol's wife, but uh, it was hands-free. And it was also voice activated back then. You could answer the phone with hello and you could hang up the phone by goodbye. So it was the very first phone before the 60s, late 60s, because that was made the year I was born, 48. So the 60s, when they made speaker phones, and my dad had the patent on that, it was his first patent. It was the automatic loudspeaking telephones, it was called. And of course, we know what that is today. And 
many years later, henceforth, uh, the speakerphones used in a lot of uh, teleconferencing and different things we do around the world. But that they used parts of my dad's conference call and parts of his speakerphone in different technology. And of course, he made touch tone dialing and voice print recognition. And at 39 patents when he died, he was a real innovator. As a matter of fact, ironically, uh, Eisenhower had sent full bird colonels to come get my father in North Miami when he left Bell Labs. He retired. He quit because they wanted to own his mind and his brains and he wouldn't let him do it. 1952, they came to him and they took my dad to Washington, <clears throat> invited him. And uh, him and the top engineers at that time, they went to Amador Air Force Base and they designed the real name is called the alert system. People call it the red phone, but it was called the alert system. And it was the red phone in case uh, the Russians tried to attack us coming across the Antarctic. And my dad designed that system. So I thought of my dad as, as a top flight engineer. And that's why I picked him to design that. So, you know, I'm very uh, proud of that moment in history. If people go back, we'll see it. Yep. Now, if someone wants to view that movie, it is still in circulation. How oh, may they, yeah. How may they uh, view the movie? Just punch it in Amazon, sir. Uh, matter of fact, I came out five years when this happened. I gave a five-year contract to freestyle. And then what happened was, just about two years ago, they asked for another five years. That's how well it did. And it's worldwide to 90 countries, different languages, and it's around the world. It's on planes, it's on ships. But if you punch in Genius on Hold, it'll show up. Very simple. Genius on Hold. All right, great. Walter, I, I want to uh, recap one more time the movie, why the movie, title of the movie, and when is it coming? I'm trying to get it out by December of this year. Like I said, we start production in October, 20-day shoot. We'll edit it in six weeks. We'll put music to it, which I have Merv Warren design the music. He's my designer of, uh, of putting the music together. He's one of the best. He's five-time Grammy. We did Whitney's last three albums. They can look him up. Mervyn Warren, he's the best. And he's my composer. He just does great work. And with all that, we should have the first print on limited edition to qualify for award season in February. We should have it out by December. We want to qualify for the... Uh, awards so it's, it's the game plan if everything goes well all the stars align if they line up and the movie title one more time uh the price for freedom the price for freedom it's from a quote uh freedom never descends upon a people without paying the price that's from harry moore out of his book great walter i want to thank you again for being here we'll keep track of everything as it goes on you have an open invitation to come back and anytime that you wish. And we want to uh, stay abreast of it. And I know that uh, the people that listen to this podcast are going to hold everything until they hear another update from you. So uh, we look forward to having you come back at some point in the future. I appreciate much success for your show and I appreciate the invitation. If I'm healthy and alive, I'll do it. All right, Thanks, that's, a, that's a deal. That's a deal. Right. Walter Shaw, my special guest today here on the Great American Senior Show. I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host, and that's how the program ends.